Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. The Bible says that you and I were raised with Christ. Just think about that for a moment. It's not just a historical event. Jesus is not just a historical figure who walked around Israel for three years and then was crucified and then buried and rose again and raised up to heaven. That's not just history. The Bible says you and I were raised with him. We were with him when he died in his body. We were with him as he was buried. We were with him when he rose again and walked around for 40 days on earth. And then we were with him when he was raised again up to heaven and seated at the right hand of God with all power and authority, the whole universe under his feet. That is the amazing message of the series that we're doing called Raised with Christ. We started and basing this on Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 to 2 verse 6, where Paul gives a picture, a lesson for us. He says, I want you to understand knowledge, wisdom, revelation. I want the eyes of your hearts to be open, to see the power of God that's at work in you. And then he says, imagine Jesus dead, rising again, walking around, ascending to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. You were dead in transgressions and sins. God raised you when you were dead and he has seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are seated with God. Now, how does that work? So we're trying to make this practical. We don't want it just to be a theological uh, exercise in thinking. We want to say, how does this really affect my life? And we spoke about dying with Christ. I've got to be willing to let my old life go. If I'm going to grab the, the life raft, the saving of Jesus, I'm drowning in sin. If I'm going to grab his salvation, I've got to let go of the sinking ship, which is called my old life or my old man. We spoke about being buried with him and baptism is a picture of that. And it's so wonderful and beautiful. And today I want to talk about this idea of Jesus's resurrection body. Now think about this. I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this, but just muse with me for a few moments here. Jesus died and rose again, yes, and on that first day he appeared to Mary Magdalene, to a few other women, to Simon Peter, to two people on the road to Emmaus, and then in the evening he appeared to a large crowd in a locked room. But he could have gone straight back to heaven there and then. He could have poured out his Holy Spirit there and then. Why did he wait 40 days of walking around and eating with them and talking with them? And then there was another 10 days after he had gone back up to heaven when the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been poured out. And then Pentecost happened. Uh, so 50 days after he rose again, they had to wait before the power of the Holy Spirit came. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. And then they had the power to do miracles and to be miracles, to be Jesus's message and messengers. Why 50 days? Why, 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 why? That's how my brain works. I always think, why? Why this? Why that? Why did God have to wait? Now, we know that there were Jewish feasts. There was Passover and 50 days later there was Pentecost and he was working to that schedule. We know that. But I don't think he was bound by that. I think he put the schedule in place because he wanted a 50 day gap. In other words, I think he made the feasts the way they were because he knew after Jesus rose again, he needs to have some time. And the reason is this, my dear friends. 
The Bible says you and I were raised with him. The Bible says that as was Adam the man of dust, so are we men of dust. We have fleshly weak bodies. But as is the heavenly man, Jesus, so are we who are heavenly. 1 John 4, 17 says, as Jesus is now, so are we now here in this world. There is a way that we need to see and understand of how Jesus walking around for 40 days is a picture of us here and now. Now, it's not exactly the same. We're not exactly like his body. You know, just about every single time people saw him after he rose again, they didn't recognize him at first because he was so different. His body was different. He had powers. He could go up to heaven and back down to earth in an instant. When he first rises again, Mary Magdalene wants to touch him. He says, no, no, don't touch me yet. I haven't ascended to my father. But just a, a few minutes or a little time later, the ladies are allowed to touch him and Thomas is allowed to touch him. So he's back and forth to heaven. He can go from Emmaus to Jerusalem through locked doors and through locked walls at will. Uh, he's not bound by time and space and he can change his appearance. Uh, Mark 16, 12 says he appeared in a different form. Uh, in heaven, when we see the risen Jesus, sometimes he looks just like the Jesus described in the Gospels after he rose again. Other times he looks like a lamb or a lion with different horns and eyes and, and different characteristics. Sometimes he's got blazing fire. A sword coming out of his mouth. Sometimes he's got a name written on him. Uh, he's got different forms. His resurrection body is different. And we looked last week at this amazing passage in 1 Corinthians 15, where the Corinthians were asking Paul, what is our resurrection body going to be like? Because Paul had told them that we will be changed and we will become like Jesus. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, when it sounds we will rise and meet him in the air and we, our bodies will become like his resurrection body. So they were saying, well, what is that body? Uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 15. Someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. That We've already covered that. We must die with him. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. You know, when you go to the supermarket or maybe the, the farm stall to buy seeds to plant in your garden, imagine they just put on the packet of the seeds a picture of the seed. You wouldn't know what you were buying and you wouldn't know what it was going to look like. You would just see lots and lots of packets of seeds with little dark colored small almost like little pebbles on, on the cover, because that's what seeds look like. No, no, they put a picture of what the plant will look like. They put tomatoes or pumpkins or flowers or whatever it might be, because the flower doesn't look like the seed. Did you know that some of the most ugly seeds or the most um, silly looking little seeds can produce the biggest uh, plants? Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, which was tiny, then you can have a big mustard tree and you can tell mulberry trees to, to move. The, the seed and the plant don't always look like each other. In fact, they never look like each other. And that's what he says here. 
the, the body, the seed, which is our physical body, we die and we are buried with Christ. We sow our lives. We say, Lord, I'm willing to lay down my life. And it gets raised again as an amazing body. You know, the most uh, beautiful flowers and plants have the most simple and, and unattractive seeds. And the most beautiful seeds produce some of the most unattractive plants. There's a seed that is widely considered the most beautiful seed. It's called the coral pea or the love pea. Uh, it's in India and it's just red and colorful and bright and beautiful seed. It is the most attractive seed, but the actual plant that is produced is not pretty. And in fact, it's poisonous. So when we look at each other, we are looking at seeds. When you look at the most beautiful man or woman on TV or in the movies or whatever, that is a seed. And you can say, that's just an ugly little seed compared to the beautiful, glorious plant. And the plant doesn't always look like the seed. And that's why when Jesus was raised again and he came to his disciples, they often did not recognize him. Sometimes he changed his form, but also the, the plant looks different to the seed. It's an amazing truth. So what I want to do today is just look at one story of Jesus in this 40-day period. So, so why was there a 40 or 50-day period? Number one, because God wanted us to see what a resurrection body can be like and what it's like. That's one reason. Number two, God wanted to give proof so that hundreds of people had seen Jesus risen again. They knew without a doubt that it was him. Even though he looked different, they knew him and it was him. And they were sure of it so much so that they were willing to lay down their own lives if necessary. And number three, that 10 day period after he's gone back to heaven, before the Holy Spirit has come, God wanted us to know the desperation of believing in Jesus without having the full power of his Holy Spirit and how we are huddled in fear in a little upper room in defeat and waiting and wanting something more. But then the power comes. But we should never stay in that 40 or 50 day period. We, we need to move through. So today we're looking at this resurrection body because 1 Corinthians 15 says we are like Jesus. As is the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly. Ephesians 1 says, Paul says, I want you to know the power that's at work in you. It is like the power that raised Christ from the dead. And you are raised with him and seated with him in heavenly places. We have this now. Christian, you're supposed to have part of this here and now. The 1 Corinthians 15 passage says that our bodies are sown in corruption or decay. They're raised in incorruption. There's a part of you that is incorruptible. It can never decay. They're sown in dishonor or shame. They're raised in glory. There's a part of you that is free of shame. Your spirit, that resurrection part of you, that new you. They're sown in weakness. They are raised in power. There is a part of you that is full of the power of God. All the power of the king of the universe is in you. That power that raised Jesus from the dead. And they are sown a natural body, which means flesh and blood physical. But they are raised a spiritual body. There is a part of you that is spirit, that is eternal. That is the real you that relates to God and that will never die. And that is the real you. And that we need to allow to express itself. We need to learn to walk around like the resurrected Jesus. 
And when he comes again, we will be fully like him, for we shall see him as he is. How amazing. So I want to tell you a story about the day that Jesus rose again. In the morning, he appears to Mary. She doesn't recognize him. He says her name, Mary. She recognizes him. She wants to clutch his feet and worship him. He says, hold on, wait. She goes, he appears to Mary and the other ladies, tells him to go and tell his disciples. While they're going, somehow he meets Simon Peter, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15. Then in the afternoon, there were two men, Clopas and another man, who were walking to a town called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's a good three-hour walk. And they're walking along and Jesus appears to them. And I want you to realize the amazing weirdness of the fact that Jesus chose to spend most of his first resurrection day with two unknown disciples who were not major people, uh, far away from the crowds in a funny little countryside lane, and a long time just talking and walking and chatting and just being with them. How would you spend your first resurrection day if it was you? If it was me, I would go and find the most public place and I would say, hey, everyone, look at me. No, Jesus goes to the others, the lost, the unknown ones, the ones far away, the ones others would not expect. And he spends time with them, but they didn't recognize him. Let's read the story. Luke 24, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So they're talking about Jesus and what has happened. Verse 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. You know, when we talk about Jesus, he comes. Did you know that? Uh, there's this funny saying about speak of the devil and he will appear. That's not biblical. But speak of Jesus and he will be there. That is biblical. Malachi 3 verse 16 says, Those who fear, feared God spoke amongst themselves and God was listening and answering what they were needing. As we speak about him, God is there and he is listening. And so we must spend time just talking. You know, where two or more are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst. He told us that in Matthew 18. And he wants us to have little meetings. It doesn't have to always be the big meeting small meetings with other Christians, which is what Leading Lights Network is all about. That is how we can bring more and more people to know about Jesus. And it's the others, those far away, those unknown ones in other places. Imagine the little villages all around your country, wherever you live, those tiny little villages where there's no church. Two or more gathered talking about Jesus. He's there. Watch what happens. Their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. You know, when we're looking with our physical eyes, we can't always see spiritual truth. I've been at church services uh, where somebody comes in and they're just looking with their physical eyes. What's the music like? What's the, what are the people wearing? What, what's the decor like? And they miss something that those who have spiritual hunger see. They sense God's presence. We've got to look deeper. Their eyes were just looking at physical things, understandably. They didn't know or understand yet. Uh, verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? They were sad and Jesus picked up on it. You know, when we talk to people, imagine you trying to evangelize somebody at work or in your sports club or whatever, and you go out of your way 
to the two in a, in, a, in a faraway place from the normal crowd and you just start talking and you're saying, how are you? Are you sad? And, and that's what Jesus did. He was building re- relationship and rapport. Then one of those whose name was Clopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? You see, Jesus knows the answers to all these things. He's not asking questions because he wants information. He's asking questions to build a relationship. And there is something important for us. Sometimes we can ask questions to build a relationship. It's not acting. It's not lying. It's trying to build a rapport. What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. You know, as they're saying these words, they're repeating the facts of the crucifixion and something is happening. They're starting, their spirit is starting to be stirred to see spiritual things. Just talking about spiritual things. Even if the conversation doesn't go the way you would hope it would go, just talking about spiritual things brings the ability for people to sense God closer. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides that, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, Now, they had failed in that they weren't perceiving spiritual things. If they had a mind, a spiritual mind, they would have recognized Jesus. But he said to them, verse 25, O foolish ones. You see, foolishness is not necessarily a lack of head knowledge. It's a lack of spiritual understanding. O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It's our heart eyes. Ephesians 1, Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding would be opened. You can have the best physical vision and sight, but if you don't see in the spirit, you are lost. Paul, uh, sorry, Jesus rebukes them because they, they were foolish and, and they were slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And now he starts to go back to scripture. So when we talk about Jesus, he's with us. And when we talk about scripture, then suddenly our eyes get even more opened. Verse 26, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I just am amazed and in awe of this verse. Jesus spends three hours walking with two confused slow of heart, unbelieving men, and he explains the Old Testament scriptures about himself. He says, do you remember in Genesis 3, when God said to the woman that your seed will crush the head of the serpent? That was Messiah. Do you remember in Genesis 12, when God said to Abraham, through you and your seed, all nations will be blessed? That was Messiah. Do you remember when Jacob in Genesis wrestled with the 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 representative of God, and and his hip was put out. That was the Messiah. Do you remember when Abraham met Melchizedek, the, the priest? That was Messiah. Do 
Do you remember David when he said, the Lord is my shepherd? That was Messiah. Do you remember when David talked about the suffering servant? Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was Messiah. Do you remember when the prophets spoke of the Messiah who would, who would hang on the cross and suffer for our sins and, and be marred and beaten more than, more than other humans? That was Messiah. All the promises, the wisdom of Proverbs. Wisdom stands at the gate where the roads meet and it cries out to save us. That's Messiah crying out. He's wisdom. The Song of Songs, the lover of my soul, where the, the, the lover and the woman talk to one another. That's a picture of Messiah. All the different parts of the Old Testament, he goes through them. Daniel, where Daniel speaks about a king who would come and his kingdom would never end and he would grow greater and greater. Uh, one like the Son of Man. He was talking about Messiah. And all the way through the scriptures, Jesus points to himself. Oh, what a beautiful conversation. And later on, these two men say their hearts were burning within them while he was speaking. Oh, Lord, may we have those conversations. You know, it's a normal conversation about Jesus and he comes in and he's the one who makes our hearts burn. Friends, start having these conversations with people. You'd be amazed. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him. And that word means really put pressure on him to stay saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. You know, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, he will have living water. There has to be a desire, a want, uh, uh, a call from us to him. Yes, he gives us the desire, but we then have to use it and say, Lord, I want you here. Jesus goes to places where he is wanted, where he is welcomed, where he is celebrated, not just where he is tolerated. And we need to say, Lord, I'm hungry for you. There's been waves and, and news of revival spreading around the world recently, starting in Asbury and various other places around the world. And the picture the Lord gave me was in the Atacama Desert, which is the driest place on earth. It never rains, but they put up mesh nets and they catch the moisture that's in the air and people who live there can catch that moisture and have a drink. And we need to say, Lord, I'm putting up the nets of expectancy and need and saying, Lord, come to me. And he comes to us. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told us, they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. <laughs> So two more ways that Jesus reveals himself to us. When we're talking about him, when we're opening scriptures, when we want him and celebrate him, but then also when we have communion. You know, the breaking of bread is a sign of Jesus' death on the cross for us. And when we focus on that and pray and give thanks and break bread together with other believers, Jesus is revealed. 
and he makes himself more real to us. And then the last way, when they went then back to Jerusalem, seven mile trip they must have run. They get there, they tell the others what has happened to them. When we give testimony to others of what God has done in our lives, Jesus becomes more real and he's suddenly there in the midst of them and he says, peace to you. John tells us that he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Powerful, amazing, just an amazing time. He shows them the wounds in his body. And then he says, have you any food? He wants to eat with them. And they have some fish and some honey. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. So let me reiterate the ways that Jesus shows himself to us. When we talk about him, when we open the scriptures, when we want his presence, when we break bread together, when we tell others, then he is there in the midst of us. Now, what does this say about our resurrection body? Friends, you have a part of you. As Jesus is now, so are we in this world. You have a part of you that has this part, this resurrection part. You are raised with Christ. You still have food. You still have a physical body. But there's a part of you that is miraculous, that can change form, that is glorious. Just like a seed is nothing like the plant, your physical body is nothing like this resurrection body. It's glorious, it's powerful, it's righteous, it's holy, it's seated with God in heavenly places. Our job is to change our mindset and open our eyes to allow this resurrection part of Jesus in us to come to the fore and dominate our thinking. Colossians 3, let me just close with this passage here. Colossians 3 uh, and verse 1 onwards says this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion. Friends, you and I have been raised. We are citizens of heaven, but we still have a part of us which is of the, the dust of this earth. And we need to let this resurrection Christ dominate our lives, set our minds on things above. When we fail, we say, no, I am the righteousness of God. And do these steps and we will see Christ in our midst, in our lives, and as we share him with other people. You were raised with Christ. There is part of you that is righteous and pure, just like God, a new man forever. Allow that to dominate you. Lord Jesus, thank you that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you that I have a resurrection spiritual body within me, that I am part of you and I'm seated with you in heavenly places. Allow me, Lord, and help me to shine your light in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.